Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right. Hey, everybody. It's David, and welcome to today's show. I'm really excited, really excited to be back in the saddle, per se, back in my normal place after doing some traveling over the past few weeks, and uh, just super excited to be talking to you about lighting today. So I've got a lot to cover in today's show. Not only do we have the usual uh, main segment and uh, mailbag, we also have a good bit of lighting news to cover and a bunch of stuff I'm really excited about. And so I've got one quick ask for you today, and that is that uh, if you are new here and uh, you haven't uh, been to Learn Stage Lighting before, you might have just found us via the podcast, if you could go ahead to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz, I want you to answer just a couple quick questions, and um, I want to send you a free guide to help you with your lighting. So it's it's just really simple. Just the questions are there so I can get the right free guide that pertains to your specific type of lighting right there at learnstagelighting.com slash quiz. Now, we've got some really exciting news uh, that's popped out this week, so let's dive into our news. <music> All right, so the cat is out of the bag, or so they say. But uh, for those of you guys that use MPC, I know I know a lot of people that use that software. I uh, used to be owned by Martin. Now they sold it to Elation. And and one of the things that it had uh, said in the press release when it first uh, when the deal first came through and was first announced is that Elation, I believe it said, had a limited term license agreement on the name. And so when I first read that, I was like, ooh. That means they must be changing the name, right? And then things were kind of quiet for a little, a little while. They didn't really mention anything uh, about the name change. But just the other day, um, this is the 17th, so we'll have an exact countdown by now. But they announced that, hey, um, on July 16th, um, which is a day before you're hearing this, but uh, about four days after I'm recording it, um, on July 16th, they're going to announce a countdown uh, for the new naming and new branding of the M-Series console. So I'm just really excited. I know that Alation's got a lot of really cool stuff in store for the console. Um, it's a console that I like and uh, really like to use and recommend to people. And I know a lot of users here love it. Um, and I'm just really excited to see it in the hands of the new owners. It looks like a lot of things are moving forward, and we're, we're going to be seeing some great new development there. Now, thinking of consoles that um, we're going to see new development on is um, Jan's Vista. So this is not a console that I usually like to cover um, for a few reasons, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, it, it's a good console, but, you know, over the past few years, it had gone and it had kind of fallen into disrepair in the sense that, it just wasn't getting updated. Um, hardware wasn't updated. Software wasn't updated. And I didn't like to recommend it because, A, it was expensive, and, B, I didn't know what the future of it was going to be. You know, and I always, when I'm recommending things to you guys, I'm always, you know, looking out there and making sure that whatever product I recommend, especially if it's a console, I want to make sure that, that, it's, that its software has a future to it. And I wasn't sure about that with Jan's Vista for quite a while because it had remained really totally stagnant. And, um... Of course, a month or two ago, we saw that uh, Chroma Q had bought the software and uh, there was some new hardware and some exciting things. And now they've released the beta of the new software. And so as I'm recording this, it just came out yesterday. I downloaded it and played with it. And I got to tell you, you know, it's, it's a good piece of software. I think they've improved on some things that Vista really needed improvement on. Um, am I going to go out there and be a... Uh, 
a Vista evangelist. You know, you may be asking, okay, David, well, they've improved the software. Now there's a team behind it again. You know, they're going to be uh, building it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and so you might be asking, well, David, are you going to jump behind it and recommend Vista to everybody? And unfortunately, you know, my answer there is, is still going to be no. And, and the quick version of that is just cost-wise. You know, the, the cost, the amount of money they're asking for the Vista is right on par with the Grand MA or a really nice hog system, okay? It's, it's really on par with these super expensive, super professional consoles. And do they have a good piece of software? Well, yeah, they do. But at the end of the day, you know, my duty to you, the Learn Stage Lighting listener, is that I want to recommend to you products that are both great, have a future, reliable, and also cost-effective. And I just, I, even though they've put together a good software and now they're, they're getting back to improving it again, you know, I just find it really hard to recommend because they're asking a lot of money for it. Like, the, the fact is with Vista, if you're not familiar, um, output hardware, the output, rather the amount of output you get is based on a dongle. And when you buy their hardware, if you buy, you know, their new wings or an older wing or, you know, um, even a, a DMX to USB, you actually don't get any output for that. You just get the, the physical hardware and then the output is actually sold separately. And and so, for example, if you just want to get one DMX universe of output from Vista, it's going to be about $1,100. That's not even the hardware. You got to buy the DMX to USB or the ArtNet nodes separate. And you don't even get any hardware. You know, whereas when... I compare that to something, say I compare it to Camsys, okay? Because Camsys isn't one that I recommend a ton either. Um, it's a good option, but I just don't want to overwhelm people with options here. For about a thousand bucks, you can get a wing that's going to unlock the software, have 10 physical faders, and um, it allows you, I think, 64 DMX universes. Done. Or my favorite, the M-Touch uh, by Alation, um, maybe soon to be renamed, um, is... You know, for $500, you get 10 faders. Yes, I know they're not real faders, but as most people that get to use it a lot and myself know, once you do get used to them, um, they're, they're pretty stinking awesome. And four universes of output. So 10 faders, four universes for 500 bucks. If I wanted 10 faders and four universes in Vista right now, let's see. The output would be $3,000, okay? That doesn't include the computer. That's just paying for it the output. And now let me just go here quick and find the cost of the hardware. So that was $3,000 to get that four universes of DMX output. And then a 10 fader, their, their new Chroma Q Vista EX is, um, is $4,000. Oh, actually, and they're, they're bundling it here. The one I'm looking at here, this is on Sweetwater. It, I think it is coming with, yeah, it is coming with two universes of DMX. So I misspoke there, but still, it's $4,000 for 10 faders and two universes of DMX, okay? And whereas with Elation, with MPC, I can get four universes and 10 faders and one output plug for $500. It's actually less now that it's uh, come to Elation. And so it's like, even if they make a good piece of software, I mean, this is like Grand MA style pricing. And I'm just... 
even though I like, you know, the team, I like Paul, who's in charge there. He's a great guy. I just think they're asking too much money for it. You know, I just think um, that, you know, it's just really expensive compared to alternatives on the market. Like I can even get a hog based console and I'm uh, just clicking around here now and getting distracted. But with the hog console, you know, I can get a nice hoglet for 3700 for, uh, you know, around the same price. But um, I believe you do get a uh, DMX out. But yeah, you get four universes of DMX into that. So even Hog's less expensive. And Hog's not my favorite software, but I feel like this is, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but I feel like it's about, you know, on board around the same price as Hog, or around the same complexity as Hog. And I don't know. I just, it, it seems overpriced to me. And that's going to be my opinion. That's what I'm going to share here. And I'm sure, you know, some of you might unsubscribe if you love Vista, but I just, I can't justify the fact that it's eight times more expensive than the console I like to recommend for the same amount of output. Or if you want physical stuff, you can get a, uh, a, uh, Alation M to go for around $3,000, I think, um, and that's going to have 64 universes of DMX and, again, the same kind of hardware, 10 faders, programming buttons, um, you know, a, a screen that, that shows you where you're at, a little LCD on it, et cetera. And so, and so yeah, an M2Go is, or an M2PC, yeah, it's it's list at 2800 So it's like, you know, I can recommend this solution to you if you really want physical controls, which is fine. And it's over $1,000 less. You get more output. And, you know, I think the software is just as good or, or better, you know, at the at the, the top end with these professional level consoles. And I, I might be getting on a little rant here. Um, you know, a lot of them just all have really robust, really great software. You know, I'm not knocking Vista software, Hog, MA, you know, Camsys. They've all got great software. You know, I think Alation has put a special um, with MPC, you know, formerly Martin. I think that team has put a lot of effort into making a great piece of software that's really user-friendly, looks great on small and big screens alike, and all that jazz. And that's why I recommend that personally. But at the end of the day, you know, I just want you to be an informed buyer. And, you know, Vista has, you know, released their new software. And I know it's really popular, especially with churches. And, you know, I still just, I can't bring myself to recommend it because I think you could spend your $3,000 getting a bunch of LED lights or a couple movers or something like that. And I feel like in your lighting rig that that's a much better purchase than just this console software, which I just don't think it's that much more special. So anyways, rant over. Um, hopefully you're still listening, but I just, you know, I always want to give you guys the full scoop on what I'm thinking. And, you know, I don't ever want to be persuaded or pushed around by manufacturers or anything like that. But I do work with manufacturers and I do partner with manufacturers whose stuff I really like. And so I just, Vista's one that I just, I just can't latch onto. Even, you know, their head of their console now, Paul, um, used to be at Martin. And, you know, I worked with him and he's a great guy. And I think he's going to do great things for the console. But I just, if they're going to keep asking, you know, the amount that they're asking for, which is a lot of money, I would rather you spend your time learning a different console and be able to spend that money on lights um, or or whatever else you need. So that's that's my opinion. Rant now actually over. Um, American DJ. 
um, sub-brand of Elation per se, kind of the lower end stuff, has put out a couple new interesting products that I'm, I'm really excited to get my hands on. I, I can't wait to see them personally myself. So one of them here is the called the Uni LT2, and it's a laptop stand, okay? You may have seen laptop stands like this before, but what I like about this one is, one, it's only MSRPing for $30. That's the price listed on ADJ's website, so chances are you'll be able to find it a little bit less expensive. Um, it, they're claiming that it can do different heights and angles. There's there's lots of, you know, there's lots of $30, $40, dollars laptop stands that can do this. But, you know, if you look at this, and this is basically just um, wrapping up a second, if you, or rather going back a second, if you're not familiar with these, it's just a simple foldable stand that you can use to just get your laptop up off, up off the table so that it's not taking up so much space. You know, if you're DJing, doing lighting, doing audio, and then you can, on the lower part, you can put, you know, a MIDI controller, a fader wing, another computer, whatever, just to save space at, at your, your table. And so they're really handy, but, you know, I've looked at different ones. I've seen them in person. I've looked at them on the internet, and a lot of them are pretty clunky. They're, they don't break down into really small pieces or they, they come apart into different pieces or whatnot. And so I think this is just something that ADJ's done that's really cool because it is smaller and lighter than a lot of other stands out there. Um, the middle part that, that holds your laptop and, and is adjustable on height tightens kind of like a microphone stand would where you would twist it, it looks like. And, um, and it folds down really tight. You know, I just think it's it's just a step above other things that are out there. And so um, I'm excited to to see one of these. I don't think they're out yet, but it says they're available now, though. So maybe I'll try to buy one. <laughs> but, you know, it's just smaller than anything else out there. It looks robust. The price is right. And so that's something I'm definitely going to be thinking about uh, figuring out and uh, getting a, a review to you guys. It, it seems simple, but but it really, you know, is a something that's really handy. So more on that later. Um, they also have the Power Bar Link and the Power Bar 65. Now, these are cool for uh, those of you guys that like to use PowerCon. This is the uh, blue and gray PowerCon, not the true one. Um, just two little widgets that, you know, are just kind of handy to use, better than, you know, a cheap power strip or something like that, where you've got PowerCon in and outs on both of these guys. And the uh, PowerCon Link features six outlets, you know, in a nice metal box. It's got a breaker on it. You know, it looks like a solid unit and it's, you know, it's retailing right now. They're saying um, on their website again, it's $70. And so if you've looked before at like professional grade, you know, power con stringers like this, they're more expensive than that. And those ones are, you know, incredibly well built. You know, if you're looking at somebody like Whirlwind or Lex, you know, they're super duper well built, you know, oftentimes um, protected against water intrusion and all that other stuff. And that's all great. But a lot of people, you know, if you're in church, a hobbyist, a band, whatever, you may not need that water protection if you're not doing things outside. You might not need, you know, that bulletproof almost casing because you take care of your stuff. And so it's in a well built looking metal case, you know, and um, it's just a simple PowerCon power strip with a breaker for not a ton of money. Plus, it's got a place for a lighting clamp so you can hang it. So I really dig that. Um, I also dig that uh, it's a power strip, but it doesn't have a power switch. So you'll never find the power switch getting accidentally hit, turned off, etc. 
overall, just something I saw out there that I'd like to tell you about. And their Power Bar 65 takes that up a notch for only 10 bucks more. And it's got a it's got a power switch on it, but it also has a built-in USB 3.0 hub, which is also a USB 3.0 charger. So you can hook it into a computer and use it as a USB 3 hub, but you can also use it just simply as a USB charger, not even having it to a computer. It's also got it's got four um, hub slash charge ports and a fifth charge only port. Um, they look like they're uh, maybe high speed ports too, and then the six plugs on top as well. Again. PowerCon in and through, I do believe. Nope, only PowerCon in, not through on that one. But still a really killer unit just uh, to be able to use there. And actually, let me just check the facts on that and make sure that I said that correctly. Yes, that is indeed the case, that it's PowerCon in, not through. But still a cool little box. You can put that in front of house, plug it in with a PowerCon, and uh, be ready to Roll. Honestly, I'm a little more excited about the Link than the uh, 65, but you know, they're both cool units. Um, links for all of this stuff we've talked about, of course, are going to be in the show notes, which you can find in your podcast player or at learnstagelighting.com slash zero two five. All right, guys, now it's already been about 20 minutes almost, but I want to dive in to the main segment. I'm really excited to talk today about using Beam in your lighting. All right, everybody. So, so far this month, we've been talking about IFC and B, intensity, focus, color, and beam. Over the last four weeks, we've covered those and uh, just really kind of dove in and, and talked about different ways that you can use each attribute of light. And these aren't things I made up. This is something that's uh, inherent to light, light itself, you know, how lights work and how consoles program and all that jazz, you know, but it's it's a great framework for when you need to make a change on stage. Um, it's, you know, there's four different levers that you can generally pull IFC and B, and then you can create effects with all of them. So what is beam? Well, beam is kind of the more abstract uh, per se use of all of them. But, you know, the short answer is in a lot of situations, you may have gobos and, and gobos are kind of the traditional thing that I think of when I think of beam. It's, um, you know, a pattern, if you're not familiar with it, a pattern, usually a metal pattern that you put in the light that allows, you know, a certain shape, maybe a picture, maybe an abstract shape to shine through the light onto the stage. Okay. So if you don't have atmosphere, you're just pointing your lights at, at scenic, at walls, at the air, whatever, um, you're, you're going to see that pattern wherever the light is pointed and it allows you just it's just another thing to add more visual interest like any of the levers inside of IFC and B you can go ahead at any point and and make that change to to make contrast to to make a change to make things look different and fresh on your stage some tricks I like to use for example when I'm using gobos is doing maybe I'll do a song you know if it's to music whether it be uh, worship music or a band um, whatever you know I'll do a song with no gobos, okay? No gobos at all. You know, just a pure, um, just every light, you know, having its full beam. And then maybe I'll, I'll use a song where I have gobos in all the fixtures or half the fixtures or all the fixtures that can at least. Um, these days, of course, we have a lot of LEDs in our rigs, and so we're, we're not going to be able to put a gobo in those fixtures um, if it's a wash fixture. But you know, regardless, it's it's just another great tool, just another great way 
to be able to spice up your lighting, to be able to, you know, really be able to, to make your lighting shine. And then when it comes to gobos, another thing we can talk about is when we do have atmosphere, when we do have haze in the air, or even sometimes if we don't have haze in the air, we can see the beams of light. Now, how can we do this? Well, you know, if you have atmosphere in the air, then you're probably just going to be able to see the beam of light through the atmosphere. But if you don't, let's think about zoom for a second, okay? This is a trick I like to use a lot, especially with a lot of LED wash units, because you may have a moving light and LED wash, and it's going to be able to zoom from about 10 to 60-ish, you know? A lot of them, that's about the zoom range, whether it's 8 to 55 or 10 to 60 or 11 to 62 or whatever. It's it's usually about in that range, and I'm sure there's a, a product development, a scientific reason why that is that way. I don't know what it is, but regardless, this allows you to do a number of things with the beam of the light. You can wash really wide, but have it not be that bright, or wash really narrow and have it be super bright, or anywhere in the middle. And so... If you're going through your show and you have a part where you want the beams to be able to be seen, you want to create that energy of a beam really flying across the air, then a great way to do that is to take all of your fixtures that zoom and zoom them as narrow as they can be, okay? And why is that? Well, because in a lot of situations, even if you don't have atmosphere in the air, you know, there's always something in the air. As gross as it may sound, there's dust and whatever else in the air, and when you zoom that light down all the way, you actually can see some semblance of a beam, especially if it's dark. It's all about contrast here. The light's really bright and the room's, you know, really dark. That's going to be the best way to see it. But even if it's not, the room or the stage isn't really dark, you know, or maybe the room has some light in it, you can still try and experiment with this. Just zooming that beam in all the way and moving it around if you've got moving lights. And you'll probably see some of the beam, you know? It's, it's not quite the same as having atmosphere in the room, but when you don't have that atmosphere, like I, I light, you know, in the past few years, I've, I've moved to lighting mostly corporate events. And when I do like these corporate events, you know, I, I wish there could be haze in the air, but most of the time, that's not going to be the case, okay? They're not going to pay for that. Um, they're not going to consider that ahead of time. Some do, and I love that, but most don't. And But I can zoom my wash fixtures, especially all the way in, all the way narrow, and I'm able to see some of that beam in the air and create a dynamic, create a different energy than was in the room when I was maybe moving lights around with them zoomed halfway or, or whatever, wherever I had them zoomed uh, to get the look that I wanted on the stage. Now, when we're talking about beams of light through the air, of course, we can kind of revert back to focus for a second and think about different patterns we can make when we have atmosphere to be able to see. So you can make, you know, cross-looking things, you can make fans, etc. I'm actually going to link to a video in the show notes about um, the different moving light patterns you can make. It's, it's one of my older videos, one of my earlier videos, but it still applies nonetheless, and it's still a great video. And so do keep that in mind as well. And so when it comes down to it, you know, beam, as I mentioned, is just another way to be able to make a change on stage. And while often for me, I'm not afraid to say that it's often the last thing that I think about changing, it's still important nonetheless. And so, you know, it's just one of those levers. Again, you say, hey, I haven't made a change recently on stage. I want to make a change. I know it's coming up in the music or, or in the, the show flow. How do I best make that change? Well, think about Beam and think about using it. And uh, one of the ways, you know, using effects with Beam 
is not something we I often think to do as much either compared to using intensity or movement or a color effect. But, you know, a great zoom chase is can look really stinking cool, even if you don't have atmosphere. And so I, I give that a try as well. So with that, guys, that's kind of the closing of, of this IFCB segment. Okay, we're going to keep talking in the next few podcasts um, about some different things, talking about um, the, uh, what do I want to say? Talking about the artistic side of things. But until then, that's kind of the end of this podcast. So um, be on the lookout. Be excited because next week we're going to be talking about effects. I'm going to go dive in a little deeper to effects, how to create your first effects, etc., and, and and draw that back into this IFCB plan. So get excited for that. Until then, let's dive into our mailbag. Welcome to our mailbag. All right, guys. So this is the part of the show, if you haven't been here before, where I go ahead and uh, I just go in here and, and copy and paste real quick some um, questions that people have asked me, and um, I go ahead and answer them here live and on the fly. So what makes this interesting is, uh, you know, I pretty much just go in here and uh, answer them as I read them. I haven't really read them before. I just kind of skimmed them over to make sure they were a legitimate question, and and I answer them here for you. Now, these questions come from LearnStageLighting.com slash contact, and uh, I try to get to them within a week or two, and I uh, give you a brief answer here. Now, if if you do need more help or, um, you know, the, you, you feel like you, you want some more personalized assistance as well as uh, in-depth training, I invite you to go ahead and check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. We'll have a link in the show notes uh, in the mailbag section as to where you can learn more about that and uh, join up. I've got a lot of great members in there just people that, that want to learn and grow in their lighting they get access to this full video library of step-by-step -step tutorials plus personalized assistance from myself and uh, other lighting hobbyists and professionals in the forums so with that guys the uh, first question i've got here is from aiden i hope i'm pronouncing that right and this person writes um loving the podcast i'm a student currently working in a black box theater I don't have an instructor at my school who's formerly trained and uh, having problems getting some areas to look good. Um, okay, so you've got a black box, and in this case, you're setting the room up with the audience on multiple sides. Maybe they're on all sides, maybe they're not. Uh, you've done shows every way. That's, that's the beauty of a black box theater. Um, for those who aren't familiar, it's basically just a blank uh, room where you can put the stage anywhere you want. And, and the theater is designed that way so that you can do different configurations, um, you know, so most of the fixtures are ellipsoidals, but they have some conventional PARs and LED cyclites lights and PARs. How can I get my areas to look smooth and get the actors well lit from all sides? All right, Aiden. So you're probably familiar with, and if you're not familiar, I'm going to link to this video in the show notes about how do I get an even stage wash on my stage? And we talk about three-point lighting, okay? But... When you're in the round, let's say you're in the round, you've got somebody who, who is on all sides, um, you know, who's being lit on all sides. Um, your stage, I don't know how big it is. That's the tough part. You know, you've got different scenarios you're trying to, to work out here. But basically what we're going for is what we want to do is make sure that everyone in every position on the stage 
from every audience vantage point is lit well. And so let's just, for example, talk about an eight by eight by eight stage. Let's just do, you know, an eight foot squared stage in the middle of the room. Your stage might be bigger. We've got one zone of light um, that we need to light, basically. Just one zone wide, eight feet wide, but from four sides. So how would we light that? Well, what you want to do is basically draw it out, you know, draw an overhead view just with pencil and paper and uh, pencils preferred because you might do a lot of crossing out and say, okay, where do I need to position lights so that every seat is is viewing the person on stage being lit by two lights coming at about-ish a 45 degree angle, okay? How do I position my lights so that every seat has coverage, you know, of the stage by two lights. And so in this particular example, you know, there'd be this eight by eight by eight stage. And then further out, wherever, you know, your, your lighting position may be, you know, maybe it's 20 feet out and 20 feet up and then on all four sides. So there's kind of a secondary box, you know, sort of like a boxing ring per se, um, if we're lighting something on all sides. Then maybe at the corners of the box, I would have lights and I would have two lights at each corner. And so light one would be pointed at one side of the stage and light two would be pointed at the other. And I know this might be getting a little confusing, um, but basically for each side of the stage, if I was standing straight on with that side of the stage, I would want two lights coming from, you know, a 45 degree angle compared to that side, hitting that side of the stage. Then I would walk over to the next side. Again, two lights lighting that side of the stage. Again, two lights lighting the next and the next. Now, as you get to bigger stages from multiple perspectives, it, it does get more difficult, as you're noting. You know, maybe you've got four acting areas across. That'd be pretty big, actually. That'd be a 24 by 24 foot stage. I don't know how big your room is. Um, a lot of the times, black boxes are smaller spaces, but not always. So I've got a 24 by 24 by 24, and I divide that into three acting areas, so three areas of light zones that I want to set up. Now I'm going to go ahead and just, again, look at the straight on. If I was standing straight on with one side of the stage, where would I need to put lights? I would draw that on my paper, you know, with arrows, with little symbols, whatever. Then I'd go to my next side. Okay, if I was doing it on this side... Where do I need my lights? And again, and again. Um, the biggest problem you're going to have here, Aiden, is that if you need to light things from four sides, it does take a lot of lights. You know, you're not necessarily going to have to worry about backlight because the front light coming from the other side is going to take care of that. But it's going to take four times the lights to light this and, and have it really evenly lit and well. Now, it doesn't really matter what type of light you use as long as hopefully... It's consistent, and so you're using the same type of light for all of your stage wash so that um, everything comes together evenly. But, you know, you can do it pretty much with, you know, conventional PARs or Lecos or LED PARs. Um, you could make this happen with any of those. Um, I'd probably lean towards the Lecos or the conventional PARs. But, again, you know, I hope that gives you just at least a brief um, understanding it and gets you moving ahead a little bit farther. Now, uh, Ashley wrote in and said... Uh, she's recently been promoted to uh, PR and booking at a bar um, in, oh, in Nashville. That's where I live. Hi, Ashley. Uh, but um, they have a sound tech, but they can't afford to pay someone to run lights. So she plays in bands. You're familiar. She's familiar with bands. 
and she thought there was a way to just turn the console on and when the bands plays the auto the lights automatically play with the music all right and so etc um she wanted to contact me because you know you might go to a store and they might just sell you something it's not what you need um and you're thinking she's thinking about three or four moving lights behind the bands maybe two moving lights on the ground um they have those already and they just want it to look great with the fog machine all right so basically um ashley what you want to look at is a great piece of software called Ntex DMXs, okay? Because what you're talking about here is basically a control problem, right? You can have, you know, whatever set of lights you want. It, it doesn't really matter, you know, whether you get a bunch of LED lights, some moving lights, conventionals, you know, all in all, it's all light. But making the changes and, and making it happen to the music, but not it being just a sound active strobe fest is the tough part, right? And you found this already. You're like, how do I do this? So there's basically two ways to do this. One is, you know, with a lot of consoles, you've maybe seen this with bands before. They show up, somebody hits play on a backing track or something like that, and, and the lights work in sync with their music. Well, this is great, but you have to pre-program it to that specific music, which you're not going to do in a bar situation where you've got different bands coming in every night, and it's not just one band who's there. So... What's a person to do? Well, inside of DMXs, this is something I really like, and I've got a lot of tutorials on it that are free on YouTube. I've got a lot um, inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs that, that goes deeper and shows you exactly how to do this kind of stuff. I actually have a new action plan um, on DJ lighting that I'll link to in the show notes, which is uh, inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs, and it talks about um, how, to, how exactly to set this up in DMXs. But basically what you can do is set up some scenes where you've got the the lights being partially sound reactive so they may move or be in a position that you've set them to and then they're also partially sound active so that an audio guy can sit there and click on the screen or or using a tablet wirelessly can switch between some different lighting scenes um while not being all that hands-on still be able to get a cool show because the software itself is listening to the music and it says okay you know the high frequency like the snare beat you know that's gonna gonna modify these specific channels of the lights and uh, you know then the uh you know low frequency maybe the bass or the kick drum is gonna modify you know these lights etc um if you're looking for kind of a concert quality you know light show you're either going to need to pre-program it for the specific music, which you're probably not going to do in this situation, or have somebody run the lights, which you said you're not going to do because of budget. And so the best way to get closest is to have something like DMXs where you can do just static scenes or some scenes with some sound active or some scenes with some effects, pre-built effects in them, and be able to have the audio guy, you know, click through some different scenes, play around with it, you know, be able to, to change things, you know, every song so that it's not just erratic sound active mode. And, and it looks like something that's supposed to be there. So that's my best recommendation to you, Ashley. It sounds like you kind of know what you want lighting wise, and it sounds reasonable for this kind of venue. Um, but getting the control right, going with a piece of software, um, DMX is really the only one I know that handles it this well and I mess with a lot of software but it's just as simple as um, really you know getting that set up it, it does take some time you know there's a bit of a learning curve to it it's it's pretty quick to learn and it's going to take some time to set up but it's the kind of thing that that once it's set up and once it's programmed you know back up your show file you know save it off somewhere on a USB stick put it on your computer at home and in case anybody messes it up down the road but 
you know, it's good to go at that point. You won't have to modify it. So hope that helps Ashley. All right. Daniel wrote in and he said, we've had an LED sign added to our office. We want to be able to control the colored LEDs from a desktop platform without a cable connection to the DMX box. We have the LED converter in the DMX box, but do we need anything else to make that possible? Okay, so it sounds like you're doing two things here, Daniel, and I may not have all the answers you want here, but hopefully because I don't have a lot of information. So basically, okay, you've got a DMX. Okay, so you have a DMX controller already. And you have an LED converter. So now it sounds like you just need a PC software either to control your DMX box or or a piece of software that, that's going to run your DMX box and output DMX. Um, and so in the case that, you know, let's say currently, Daniel, you take this and, and you plug in that DMX box to a computer and launch some piece of software and you're able to trigger stuff. Now, all you want to be able to do is make it wireless to the LED sign. Now, I mean, I would like you to run it wired because wired is always going to work, but you know, wireless, especially in a controlled environment like this is going to work well. So let me point you to a post about wireless DMX where I talk through how that works. And yeah, you could have wireless data with a transmitter and receiver, um, you know, at, at one end and the, and the, the receiver at the other and, and be able to run that data wirelessly from the box that plugs into the computer to the uh, actual sign. Now, Another situation, I'm not sure if this is the case, is you might have just a DMX converter box for your LEDs and um, you don't have a control console. You don't have any way to control it. In that case, you're going to need to get some kind of control software. And I don't know enough about what you're doing to really be able to help you here. Um, so I'm going to try to help you the best I can over podcast um, and say, you know, go find a piece of software like DMX. This actually I'll link to my my post on finding your first lighting console, it may or may not help you because I don't know exactly what gear you have, but you know, then you would go ahead and be able to, you know, have a DMX console and then either run that wire, either get some kind of wireless control of that console from afar or get that console on the desktop, have the DMX box there. And again, run it wirelessly like we talked before. So I hope that helps. Hope that doesn't confuse you because I know you haven't worked with anything like this before but hopefully that helps. All right, now Youth Group Tech writes in, and guys, um, I do apologize. I've gotten about two weeks behind on these, but I'm starting to catch up, so hopefully uh, we'll be caught up soon here. But again, you know, if you need quicker answers or uh, want more personalized attentions, definitely check out Learn Stage Lighting Labs. Attentions, that's not a real word. So Youth Group Tech does lighting for a band. Um, you stay within a local area, and you play um, all sorts of theaters, uh, and other venues, but um, theaters seem to be a reoccurring issue when it comes to lighting. So he mentions, you know, you show up and there's a whole crew of people wanting to help the band. And, uh, you know, you're really just used to doing it yourself. And um, you, you only have so much time and, and the help is really not that helpful. Okay. Um, and then there's always people kind of walking around and, and, you know, and getting in your way. So, um, this is really kind of, there, there's a couple things going on here because you're kind of asking, okay, how do I best manage these people and, and what do I do? So Youth Group Tech, um, I don't think you have a name, but maybe you have a name. Um, hopefully your parents gave you one. No, I'm kidding. Um, but regardless, um, uh, I know you just didn't, you forgot to sign the email and that's fine. Um, but, you know, basically 
when you're working with a house crew, um, and and again, I don't have time to get through. You asked a ton of questions in here, and I don't have time to get through all that here. Um, but do check out Lauren Stage Lighting Labs. Um, you know, maybe you could have your band sponsor it or something, and we could really go into detail if you're if you're a young person. But regardless, um, you know, when you've got a local crew, sometimes you do have to tell them, you know, hey, um, you guys can help me unload the stuff, get it in the room. But after that, you know, I'm really faster doing it all myself. I appreciate you being here. You know, I want you to 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 get your living. I'll let you know if I need help, but please go sit over there to the side and uh, I'll grab you when I need you. You know, that's one way to do things. And I've done that a lot because, you know, these people, um, local crew, and I've been one and I work with them a ton. It's, you know, in a, in a given venue, you know, they, they do want to help. But if you don't need their help, they don't want to be in the way. But at the end of the day, they are being paid hourly. They're usually on a minimum, though, so they're already there. They've already gotten, say, their four-hour minimum um, just by showing up. And they want to be helpful. But if you tell them, you know, the best thing to do is just to say, hey, you know, this is a self-contained thing. It's kind of my own systems. You know, just hang out over there. When, when I do need something, maybe you need a cable run out, you know, front. Maybe you need some power plugged in and you don't know where to get it. You know, that's when you can ask them and that's when they'll help you. But other than that, just tell them, hey, if you guys could just hang out there, you know, I really do this by myself all the time. And so I'm not used to having help. You know, they'll usually respect that. If you're in a union venue, um, that's not always going to be the case. They're not always going to respect that. They might tell you that you can't set up your own stuff and you're going to have to deal with that. But it doesn't sound like that's what you're dealing with here. Uh, the other thing with working in a professional theater is, you know, if you are hitting the same theaters again, you know, and you've got one kind of in your area, and maybe you've got a little bit of free time, I would go ahead, and this is really going to help you out more than anything else, and I would try to get working there. I don't know how old you are, but as long as you're, you know, minimum working age, you know, 16 or whatever, 14 or whatever your state says it is, I would talk to those theaters and see if you could work on those crews, okay? Ask to work on the local crew there. See if they have, you know, the ability, if they sometimes need people, and ask to get on what's called their call list. And then they'll call you when they have stuff, and hopefully you can help them. And if you don't turn them down every time they call, then they'll keep calling you, um, and you'll get to work. And what that's going to do for you, besides a paycheck, which is probably better than, you know, if you're young, it's it's going to be, hopefully they'll pay you better than, you know, the, the fast food joint or, or a store would. Um, but even if they don't, you get the valuable experience of seeing how the professionals delegate and work with the local crew. And you'll begin to learn kind of the industry standard ways of packaging things up, the industry standard ways of telling someone how to do something because there are industry standards and you don't know them yet. And I understand because when I was young, I was in that place. And if you just take some time, you know, say you take a year and just, you know, a couple times a month you work at this venue. You're going to get that much better when you come into a venue because you're going to understand their side of the coin and understand more of the jargon and more of the words they use and stuff like that and, and how things generally work in a situation like that. So those are kind of my two advices for you today, Youth Group Tech. Um, you know, it's, it's not a perfect answer. It's not like, you know, an instant fix, but I think it'll really help you get started. So with that, guys, um, this has been a longer episode, but I think that's okay. Let me know if it's not, of course, in the reviews on iTunes. Just say, hey, I appreciate the show, but the episodes have gotten a little long, or I appreciate the show, and I don't mind the long episodes. Uh, let me know. And uh, also, 
um, go ahead if you're new here to learnstagelighting.com slash quiz to uh, kind of take my my lighting quiz so I can send you a free guide to help you get started with lighting. And uh, the reason it's a quiz is so I can personalize that free guide to the specific type of lighting that you do. With that, guys, I'll say adios, and we'll see you guys back here next week. Have a great day. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Be sure to visit us at LearnStageLighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.